0: gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
1: Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Radio. This is episode number 11. I'm John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. And uh, we are going to be breaking down... The huge Week 3 Eagles victory over the Indianapolis Colts 20-16. Eagles get another squeaker at home, but they move to 2-1 and on the season. 2-0 and at home. And uh, joining me to break down and analyze what we saw here on Sunday, just about, we're recording about an hour after the game finished up, is the great Michael Kist. You know him from the Kist and Solak show and all the other things he does here uh, for BleedingGreenNation.com and BGN Radio. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL. Michael, big win by the by the birds here on Sunday. How you doing, buddy?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Hello to you. This is the the first podcast that we're uh, doing together. I'm glad it's under these circumstances. Shout out to Derek Barnett and Benjamin Solak. I'm sure <laughs> we'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, man, big, big win, a little bit of a sloppy win. But a W is a W. You can work on it from there. Wentz is back. Uh, all is right in the world.
1: Yeah, and we're going to get into everything. We're going to get into the defense. We're going to get into the penalties. We're going to get into the offense, and we're going to get into Carson Wentz coming up here in just a minute. First, want to just remind you uh, to be a subscriber to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. I um, want to make sure you're doing that on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever it is you get your fine podcasting. Uh, go uh, subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, and um, that's where you're going to hear us uh, yapping about this game because – You know, like you said, Michael, it didn't look pretty. Uh, This was not a game that you're going to put in the archives by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, this was a victory, and as we always used to hear Andy Reid say, uh, any victory you can get in the NFL is a good victory, and uh, that's what we have. You know, this was a defense that we know plays better at home than on the road, uh, and that bore itself out here in the game on Sunday. Uh, but the thing, obviously, everyone is going to be talking about is how Carson Wentz looked. And honestly, there may have been a little bit of rust in there somewhere, but it certainly was not there to start the game. And I got to believe if he had a full complement of talent around him, we would have seen a much different ball game here on Sunday. As it is, Wentz returns and goes 25 for, for 37, 255 yards with a touchdown and an interception. We saw a lot of good. We saw some bad in there. I think this is probably exactly what most people were expecting to see in his first game since last December. A little bit uneven, but you saw the flashes, Michael.
0: Yeah, and in the scripted stuff early in the game was really working well. I like the way that we used the 12 and 13 personnel, the two tight end, 310, and the tight end sets with... Dallas Goddard, who we've we've been screaming about, Zach Ertz, and uh, Josh Perkins, who I I really count him as a wide receiver now since I really don't line him up in line, but they were spreading it out the way I wanted. One of my keys to the game coming into it was to spread this defense horizontally and take what was there because they're a soft shell zone defense, keep everything in front, and then come and attack the football. The reason that the Redskins weren't able to get points on the board against them is because they had a vertical game plan. So I liked it the way that the Eagles put in some quick hitting throws for Wentz to kind of get comfortable. Everything in that beginning script looked uh, looked fantastic. They marched right down the field. When they started to get beyond that opening script, you saw some rust from Carson. You saw some some slow reads, some some missed wide receivers. You saw a couple high balls, which we're used to with Wentz being you know yep. particularly jacked up in the beginning of games. <laughs> so that that was there too. But then what you also saw is this dude just not going to change the way that he plays when it comes to scrambling around and trying to make oh, plays yeah. and that you know led to some sacks led to some fumbles like you said sloppy game 10 10 penalties for 110 yards four fumbles we lost one and it put the defense in some bad situations but overall i didn't expect once to come out And it looked like he was going to be in MVP form right away. But what we saw was encouraging. Looks like the knee isn't bothering him at all. It's not causing any issues with his throwing motion or anything like that. He still moves around very, very well. So very, very encouraging signs from Carson Wentz who comes in and gets a big W today.
1: Well, and I know Brandon saw a lot of Carson Wentz during training camp and said he looked amazing. And uh, I know Benjamin said the same thing when, when he would watch him play during the uh, during the summer. And uh, as we uh, uh, kind of got later into the, the uh, preseason and, and some of the non-contact drills that he was doing, that he just, he looked as athletic as, as he could be and mm. uh, that the arm strength was, was, was obviously there. And, you know, there was some, some wondering, how would that bear out in game situations? But you mentioned it, the athleticism. doesn't look like he suffered a knee injury at all. We we saw him dance out of trouble on numerous occasions in this game to to keep his eyes downfield. Exactly the same stuff we saw last year and it's just such an amazing, even though he he didn't have a great day, you know, when you look at the numbers, it's not going to be a day that you're going to remember as being one of Carson Wentz's best ever, Mm. but when you look at the talent that he had around him and you consider the fact this was his first game of the season, some of the plays that he made with his legs, some of the things, the playmaking ability that you see there just is, it's so night and day compared to Nick Foles the fact that he can extend plays when they break down like that it's it's amazing to see what a the difference between Nick Foles who performed admirably and a guy who is it looks like going to be an MVP candidate every year from here on out just just on what he can do on the field.
0: Yeah, and the other thing, not only just extending plays much better than Foles can do because, you know, Foles gets rolling to his right and things start to get ugly from there. But once yeah. uh, extends, but he also challenges tight windows. And I also I put this up on bleedinggreennation.com. I believe it was on Saturday, about how using NFL next-gen stats, you could see how this offense was going to change. And, you know, the the lack of separation that we're getting from the wide receivers and, and the tight ends that we have right now because we are so depleted in that area. Foles was not as willing, nearly as willing, as Wentz to challenge those tight windows. Doesn't have the same arm strength as Wentz does. And that's what we saw today was Wentz was, you know, he was putting his players in a position to go make a play on the football, even if the coverage was tight. And you saw him, you know, throw some some strikes in some windows that Foles would have double, triple clutched on, especially in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where he held the ball for an average of 2.92 seconds. So overall, you still saw a quarterback who was aggressive in his mentality. And that's something that this offense needs to enhance the talent around him. And bring it up rising tides rise all boats type situation with him because Mm -hmm. he's a quarterback that you win because of so he's still that same quarterback despite the rust and all those things he's still going to go out there and make some plays that other quarterbacks just simply can't make or won't make.
1: Right. And, and once in a while he's going to he's going to force the turnover like he did mm-hmm. on the interception uh, on the pass intended for Ertz, tried to get it through a tight window, it was an ill-advised pass. He obviously should not have thrown it, but he's going to convert more of those probably than he's going to allow to have interceptions. And when you're a gunslinger, I know that's he fancies himself as a guy who likes to take risks and we didn't see this team go down the field all that much in this game. A lot of it was was intermediate stuff. It was it was within 10-15 yards, but they don't really have the personnel to go deep right now. So I thought it was I thought it was important that like you mentioned at the beginning, that they played a lot of thirteen personnel if you're gonna consider Josh Perkins a tight end at this point. But that we saw Ertz and Goddard a lot out on the field today. And, you know, just slow clap for Goddard, seven catches <laughs> for 73 yards and a touchdown in this one. Uh you see what you need to have him in the game plan, Michael. I mean, he needs a guy he needs to be a guy that is gonna be a big part of the game plan every week because especially while Alshon Jeffrey is out, and especially and until they if they go out and get Jeremy Macklin this week and they get him up to to game speed or whatever, they're gonna be short at wide receiver. It's not a big mystery why the wide receivers didn't really have any any numbers today, why they didn't get a lot of attention. They're not that good. They don't really they don't have the personnel there right now. So Ertz and Goddard, is, is, that's how you have to operate if you're the Eagles right now.
0: Yeah, and they're kind of makeshift with how they're doing their wide receivers right now as well. And and some guys are playing a little out of position. You know, we brought in Jordan Matthews, who had two catches and 21 yards today. People were acting like he was going to get 60 snaps. You know, you kind of knew that wasn't the case if you really thought about <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, but he didn't even play in the slot. It was Agler playing in the slot for the most part. Um, and he had a quiet day, too. And like like you said, the game plan against this Colts defense that with that soft shell and taking away the deep pass and keeping everything in front what they had to do was to execute and just take the plays that were there and there were a couple of times that that once got a little more aggressive than he should have but what the eagles were really good at doing was sitting in those soft zones and there were there were times I think it was the first drive it was 12 plays 79 yards And then you've Mm. got the last drive in the fourth quarter that was 17 plays, 70-plus yards, 11 minutes and 18 seconds. (laughs) That's what the Colts' defense was going to force us to do. So I'm not worried about the lack of downfield shots. That's just a construct of the way that the Colts play their defense. You have to execute. They're going to make you go. Fifteen plays 11 plays seventeen plays down the field and execute the entire way and if you make a slip up or penalties cost you on your drive like you saw a lot from the from the Eagles or there's a drop or something in there they end up with a sack or any kind of sloppy play like that from the offense they really capitalize on that and it gets you in long down and distance situations so the Eagles had the good in that and being able to do that on on a couple of their drives but then they kind of stalled out in the middle of the game with some sloppy play but overall again with the weapons that we're dealing with Wentz came out played well thought Dallas Goddard played really well and that's a guy that we can get on the field and we can run the ball with him on the field too not like we can with Josh Perkins you get him with Zach Ertz you get those double wing looks and you run the ball effectively behind him that's perfectly fine and if you can get that running game going you get yourself in plus situations you start working play action a little bit uh, the offense is going to be better for that so I'm glad to see that Doug Peterson read the tweets and uh, got Dallas Goddard (laughs) out there
1: well, and and you mentioned the fact that you can play Goddard when you're when you're running the ball well, mm-hmm. and and the Eagles obviously ran the ball well today too. Is and listen, the running back unit is, is banged up, but that was a huge help to Carson Wentz. You know, on that last drive, you saw you saw Wendell Smallwood and Clory Commit get big runs uh, to to keep the drive alive. And you know, the Colts also shot themselves in the foot a little bit on that final drive too, with a, a couple of important defensive penalties that that helped the Eagles out. But yeah. I, I think one of the biggest revelations on the day to me was Wendell Smallwood, Michael. <laughs> I mean, ten. Carries fifty six yards, some big runs. I mean, obviously he's he has some holes in his game, but he also caught three balls for thirty five yards. He's he doesn't have great vision. He's not the most athletic guy in the world, but for this game at least, for one game at least, he was he was a real plus out there and uh, and and led the team led the team in rushing yards. Well, uh, actually tied uh, with Corey Clement, who also had fifty six yards on sixteen carries, but uh, a five point six yard per carry for for Wendell Smallwood today. Listen, I mean that's just that's stealing money. I mean, that's that's you know, that's icing on the cake. You don't expect to get that from Wendell Smallwood.
0: I was very close to my prediction when I said that Clement would get fifteen carries and Smallwood would get eight. I figured that was the distribution they were gonna they were gonna <laughs> Pretty go close. with. Yeah. Yeah. And look, the, the way that we talk about Wendell Smallwood has been changed so much over time just because he hasn't been available. When he was on the field before, he's an adequate running back. He's nothing special. He's not bad though. People are talking about him as if he's a bad running back. People are upset with him because he can't get on the field. That's the core of the mm-hmm. issue. When he's on the field, he's perfectly capable and he's, you know, he's a favorite of, of Deuce Staley because he can he can be effective in this offense. Now, again, not going to get these big door-busting runs out of him, but he can be efficient. He was today and he also showed up in the passing game getting a 34-yard big-time catch where he ran, mm-hmm. you know, right up into the open, but yeah, the the combination of Clement Smallwood, and uh, Josh Adams, who got his his first real action today. Really impressive. And that's really all we need with them with a quarterback like Carson Wentz as, as Wentz starts to get his sea legs under him and we start to acclimate and get some of our weapons back. Just an effective run game. Just just don't put us in, in negative situations because we can't get that established. And that's what you saw from Clement and Smallwood. That's what we need right now. I can't wait to get Jay Ajayi back because I love Jay Ajayi. Yeah. Uh, but the running backs did a good job today, and I commend them for it.
1: Yeah, and, and a little bit of a, a heads up to Josh Adams, you know, thirty yards on six attempts. He had a, a twenty-six yard carry in the second quarter. Um, got a little bit of use out of Josh Adams in this one too. So uh, it was right. it was definitely <laughs> much needed for Carson because you know, hey, listen, I mean, Carson wasn't gonna. I, I didn't. I thought Carson would start off rustier than he did, but you're right. Having those, he they really worked on those scripted plays during the course of the week, and you could tell that's when he was at his most comfortable until that final drive uh, when when they just when they methodically moved down the field. And you know, score we saw last year with Carson Wentz, the one of the, the biggest reason that he was successful was converting on third down, specifically third and long, and uh-huh. converting in the red zone. And the Eagles had a couple opportunities. They didn't convert on every red zone opportunity, but on that final drive when you know, you need seven you get seven there, you go up four, you force Indianapolis to also have to get into the end zone on, on their next possession. That's a whole different ball game. You know, it's the Eagles were playing a bend but don't break defense. That's typically what they do when they're in cover three, but you had a feeling that the Eagles needed seven on that drive in order to really ice this thing away because. That forces the Colts to have to go the length of the field. That's a much bigger hurdle mentally for an offense when they know we got to get it in the end zone here on this last drive. So, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that, makes, that made Carson Wentz so good last year was converting inside the red zone, and they did that on the final drive as well.
0: Yeah, and you see that in their play calling too. They know when they're going to go for it on fourth down. I think they know by second down or when they hit a certain area of the field that, you know, in this situation, we're definitely, we can take a third and six or a third and 12 and get a six yard gain and be totally fine with that because we know it's going to be hard to get 12 yards in a single play against this defense. So you saw the play calling kind of acclimate to what the Colts were doing defensively. And of course, Carson, you know, he's going to be able to fit it in those windows in those situations. And, uh, you know, shout out to to the Colts defense for executing really, really well on their end and making it hard for the Eagles to convert in those third and long situations. I believe it was a third and long. And the, the Colts were running uh, too high safety, which is so weird with Malik Hooker there because he's a deep third safety and he's awesome at it. They mm-hmm. should run more cover three, but whatever. Uh, Malik Hooker <laughs> was a half field safety on the other side of the field and sprinted over to the other side to the other safety's responsible uh, area and was able to just get his hand on a pass that was intended for uh, Aguilar on a third and long. Uh, heck of a play. Darius Leonard was flying all over the place. Marcus Hunt was really disruptive and i give him a lot of credit because i was doubting his effectiveness coming into the game because he had a good game against like bobby hart and you know some bums like that but he he played really well uh overall this colts defense while they be may may be vanilla they force you to execute and they also are able to make some splash plays here and there but yeah overall in the red zone you know the 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 missed field goal by jake elliott Mm, always hurts and that's something that I think we're increasingly going to talk with about Elliot because some of the misses are just absolutely baffling, and, and we got to cash in on those opportunities. And the less we can trust him. The more we have to go for it in those situations, the more stress it puts on this offense
1: yeah i mean that sixty one yarder that was week three of last year, so it's been about a full <laughs> calendar year since that sixty one yarder but uh it gets a little bit more dicey i mean it, we've we've seen with kickers i mean it, it can go it can go really quickly and you know he has that he has that mid range area it seems like between thirty and thirty seven thirty eight yards where it's all it's awfully dicey and this his missed kick today obviously was was longer than that, but yeah with with Elliot and we've seen Listen, Michael, we've seen it in the league this year. We've seen kickers just having all kinds of problems right yeah. now. Two two teams kicked their kickers off their rosters because of brutal brutal play last week, and a third, because of an injury, had to go out and sign somebody else. So there's, there's not a lot of talent out there. You're hoping Jake Elliott can turn it around, but... Man, some of these you you, you want to have confidence in your kicker, and we saw at the end of last year. I mean, that huge kick at the end of the Super Bowl to put him up eight was a money kick. You know that he has it in him to be a money kicker. It's just a matter of him being able to do that.
0: Well, he also he also missed an extra point in that game too. And 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 I and right. I will say I th- I I have to go back and rewatch this game. I think something may have gone wrong with the snap in this game but still we know it's an issue this is this is nothing new yeah.
1: no no for sure <laughs> offensive line wise um it seemed as though that there was some you know, especially on the Wentz fumble deep in his own territory, where Lane Johnson uh, got schooled a little bit. And we saw Jason Peters with a couple of false starts. Um, seems like you know the offensive line did okay in the run game, but it was a little bit inconsistent. And with pass protection, we saw Carson was running for his life a few times. What are your thoughts on on the Eagles' offensive line and how they handled uh, Colts pressure today?
0: Yeah, that's something I, I really want to see the film for. For certain things, I do think that that Jason Peters is still dealing with a knock right now and is a little bit rusty since he he hasn't played you know, meaningful football in a while. He's just coming back. But some of the, some of the false starts, he, he's just got to be more in tune with the offense there. I think he'll be fine in that. AI. Overall though, uh, you worry about the athleticism. Cause I don't think he's at the level of athlete that he, that he was before the injury last year. And I don't know if that's because, of the injury that he's dealing with right now or because of you know the injury that he that the past major injuries that he's had just sapping yeah. his athleticism and his age still a darn effective player uh but you do worry about that and it's something to track long term uh the five sacks and what I want to see from the film is you know were they and, and I wasn't particularly paying too much attention on it but were they three-step drops that Carson just held on to the ball a little bit more, you know, longer than he should have? Were, were there mm-hmm. open routes in front of him because he did miss some open routes in front of him being a little rusty, rusty mentally after those scripted plays like we talked about? Or were they, you know, longer drops? So it, it, was it a product of, you know, holding to the ball? on some quickening things where they got a jump set and they feel like they only have to hold that block for a couple seconds and they can you know work from there as bad as that sounds cuz you know you got Carson behind you you have to block a little bit differently for Carson cuz he's going to be all over the place maybe he runs into some pressure every now and then uh but You know, Carson's not going to change in that matter. You can't ask him to change. He's always going to be like that. And there's going to be a big discussion around Carson. And does he need to calm down? He's not going to. So we need to stop (laughs) asking him to. But yeah, yeah, you know, overall, like you said, in the run game, the offensive line was fine. Pass protecting, that's something that I want to look into a little bit more. And uh, I'll probably be putting some clips on the timeline and whatnot. But overall, I thought it was solid. I think they can play better in pass protection, though. I will say that.
1: Well, let's just uh, finish up the offense talking about, uh, and I'll just mention that you know, Doug Peterson. You know, a lot of talk coming into the week about you know how much he would miss Frank Reich, or you know whether or not that the you know the what Frank Reich's absence from being part of the the coaches room w- was having. The Eagles offense held the clock for 40 and a half minutes in this one. You know, 379 yards. They scored 20 points, but you know, they didn't have a they didn't have Sproles, Jeffrey, uh Wallace and a couple of new guys in there. That's that's not bad, you know? That's and you're and you've got a quarterback who hadn't played since uh since last December. Uh so certainly not a bad effort there by by Doug Peterson, uh, you know, trying to guide his team through what a game that, you know, I think a lot of past Eagles teams would have lost this game. This is a team, you know, this is a championship team. These are the defending Super Bowl champions, and to come out and win a game like this is the kind of games they won last year that that helped them run their record to 13-2 and before that last game of the year against Dallas that that didn't really count. Um, let's flip it over to the defense now, Michael, and obviously the guy we have to talk about first is uh, the guy that Benjamin Solak obviously would would never want us to talk about first. <laughs> Let's talk about Derek Barnett. One and a half sacks, including the huge clincher on fourth and goal with a minute 19 left from the Eagles' four. Doug Peterson said after the game, you can see the kid getting better every week. We've all been waiting for it, Michael. I know you guys talked about it this week. You know, when were we going to see Derek Barnett actually make an impact? When were we going to actually see him make a play that a first-round draft pick would make? And for this game at least, and for this one play at least, Derek Barnett stepped up and made a play that absolutely had to be made.
0: Yeah, and there's a couple ways I could go with this at at Ben, but I'll try to be honest. I'll try to be kind of fair with him. I could hold his feet to the fire and no, say. "No, don't be fair. Yeah, what yeah. fun is
1: that? Come on now.
0: <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean, I was saying it too. Where was Derek <laughs> yeah. now Week one, he was a sure, ghost. Sure, we all were. Yeah, we, week two, you know, he he had a plus matchup with Donovan Smith, who's not very good for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and, and he was a ghost. And and we gave him a pass because the, Fitzpatrick got rid of the ball in an average of 2.2 seconds. He was, uh, you know, on his third step in his first hitch, and the ball was out 71% of the time by my charting. So hard situation mm-hmm. for him to get to the quarterback. They still got to the quarterback 38% of the time. A lot of that was Fletcher Cox, but Barnett still was a ghost for that game. In the run game, he played really well against the Buccaneers. I want to make that clear. One thing that Derek Barnett has always been is absolutely clutch. And this goes from college to, and we know it, you know, he comes up with the strip sack in the NFC Championship game, recovers the fumble in the Super Bowl. Those same type of situations that he's come up big for the Eagles are the same type of situations that he came up big for the volunteers in college. So he tends to, to show up in these situations that's never been his problem. His problem has been he has not beaten a, a solid tackle, you know, cleanly. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's trying different moves, and he's trying these spin moves and whatnot, and they they never come off right. This is the week that we said, with Anthony Costanzo out at left tackle, Raven Clark, you know, supplanting him out there, who's a, a subpar talent, we needed to see something from Derek Barnett. And boy... Thank goodness it came at the yeah. end of this game. So he had that he had that half a sack on a nice speed to power, got a nice bull rush, and got that half a sack with Fletcher Cox, who was still awesome, mm-hmm. by the way. Love you, Fletcher oh, Cox. Had another great game. <laughs> he's been excellent all season. Uh, but he then it's the that Defensive of the game,
1: Player of the Year, man.
0: Oh, he wants it bad. Yeah, and he's really working towards <laughs> it. He looks awesome. But yeah, I mean, clutch situation. He beats Reverend Clark clean. Good anticipation on the snap. Gets that first step. And is able to bend around that corner and just trips up Andrew enough. So big time shout out to Derek Barnett. Uh, I know a lot of people were asking me because we said on the show if Derek Barnett got a sack, Benjamin Solak would buy a Derek Barnett jersey people are forgetting uh-huh. that we said a spin sack because that's something he really wants to hit. Uh, okay. That was not a spin sack. So no no jersey for Benjamin Solak, but still suck at Benjamin Solak because Derek Barnett showed up in a big-time situation, so I uh, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't be more happier for him.
1: Maybe he should get a shirzy, you know? <laughs> Maybe we can kind of go half here, halfway, like make him get a shirzy or something like that. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I, I, and the big thing about the defense today was not so much, you know, that— uh, they didn't really give up much of anything. Long Andrew Luck, twenty-five of forty, only hundred and sixty-four yards yeah. for Andrew Luck with one touchdown. Certainly the yards per attempt there. I didn't look that number up, but that's not that's not terribly good. I could do the division, and, you know, <laughs> with a pen and paper. But and that you know they, they kept T. Y. Hilton in check a week after Deshaun Jackson and uh, O. J. Howard burned them for big games. The tackling was a lot better in this game. Uh, they didn't really let anybody get them deep. Jalen Mills, of course, got called for a pass interference on a on a long play. But I mean, you just kind of have to bake that into the cake when it comes to Jalen mills he's gonna, he's, <laughs> he's either gonna get beat on a double move or he's gonna get a long interference call every week no matter what but what you see with this team and it's really amazing is especially at home when when they're when they're at home and they're backed up inside the 20 and they use that goal line like it's a brick wall Michael I mean they they back up to that thing and they just they don't allow teams to to convert red zone opportunities for touchdowns. And they got really hamstrung with a couple of short fields thanks to an, a Carson interception and a fumble that they lost. And the defense came through and, and held Indianapolis to field goals each time. That was the game. Really, that's the key to this game, is that they were able to keep Andrew Luck out of the end zone. And we saw Jalen Mills make a terrific play on the end zone in the end zone, breaking up a pass for Eric Ebron. So th- this was a game in which the Eagles' defense, again— Bend, but don't break. They don't get in receivers' faces. But when when opposing offenses run out of real estate, the Eagles' defense is at their best.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because the entire landscape of this game changes. There there were those three drives, just for, for like back-to-back-to-back, to back to back where they were in the red zone. On the first two of them, Chester Rogers had two uh, plays where he could have hauled in two touchdowns on those two different drives, and he doesn't. And that's an eight-point swing, and that yeah. changes, you know, the score from a potential you know, thirteen to ten, and add four points onto both of those drives for the touchdown. You're at 21-10 Colts as you go into the fourth quarter. That's an entirely different ball game, and yep. you know, moving the ball down down the field on the Colts is going to take time, like we talked about with the way that they play their defense. So it was big that he dropped those. But on the third on the third one, and all the other plays around that. The defense showed out, and Sidney Jones showed up big time in that situation as well. Two big plays for him. Back-to-back, he has been playing absolutely lights out. I'm sure there's going to be calls for him, and people want him to replace Jalen Mills on the outside. I think um, think the Eagles showed again today – when Ronald Darby went down uh, in week one, it was Rasul coming in to play the outside. When Jalen Mills went down a couple uh, for a couple of plays in this game, it was Rasul again playing in the outside. So I think that's more likely to for them to try out rather than move Sydney from a plus si- si- uh, situation where he's killing it. But yeah, yeah, the red zone defense itself has won two games this year for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. So Jim Schwartz has got to be feeling himself. He needed that after the loss of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. More impressive for me, just from an overall perspective, and we talk about what was the plan for Schwartz last week against the Bucs, because in my opinion, it wasn't a good one. But this week, against the Indianapolis Colts, they did what they needed to do. They added more underneath zones because they knew that Luck was going to get rid of the ball quick. It's a quick... Hitting West Coast style system that they have there. They added more underneath zones. They took away and muddied that first read. They were mugging and sugaring blitzes and then dropping out and and making him come off mm-hmm. and and whatnot. And I thought it was uh, I thought it was an impressive game plan that was very effective for the most part outside of a, a couple of big plays. Uh, they even had it in there where on the Andrew Luck scramble where he was able to get 33 yards. That was, a, oh. that was a good play by the Eagles. And they saw something yeah. pre-snap to where all of a sudden everyone's jumping up and down and audibling to a blitz because they saw something that they liked. And Jim Schwartz trusted his defense to audible into like a big full-out blitz at, at that situation. So that was pretty cool to see him having that flexibility and saying, if you see this, then go ahead and, and send the dogs. So I like that mentality. But yeah, a big-time performance. For the defense, they only allow 16 points. You can win any game where the defense only allows 16 points. And it's and it's critical as we get Wentz back and acclimated and, and, and feeling like himself that the defense shows up like that. And this Eagles defense at home is just is just awesome overall. It yeah. might have a couple yeah. blips here and there but the overall picture is sunny.
1: Well, I know we I talked about this a little bit with with Brandon on the preview show but uh it, any I mean I, and you, you and Benjamin talked about it a little bit but you know it, what is the deal with the home road splits with the defense? I mean, it really is remarkable. I mean, the, we didn't see the defensive line get a ton of pressure all game long, but you know, like I said when they got when when the Colts got far enough, obviously the red zone defense stepped it up but you know, they weren't able to do that last week against the Buccaneers a couple of different times when they got inside the red zone. I just don't know what it is. Is 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 you know is it crowd noise? I mean, because I didn't see... The, the crowd was not exactly at full throat here in this game against the Colts either. I, I can't put my finger on it. Yeah,
0: I think it helps the pass rush because you get guys like Derek Barnett and Michael Michael Bennett who are known to key in on cadences throughout the game and really time up their blitzes to get an advantage. So there's that part of it. Other than that, outside of that, I just I don't I don't get it. And they, they asked Jim Schwartz about it in his press press conference, and he was like, I don't know. It helps the pass rush kind of tee off, but I don't know if it helps anything else. I don't think getting on a plane changes anything. So it's right. super weird. It's it's like this you know phenomena that no one can really uh, put their finger on. But uh, you know, outside of the pass rush, I don't I don't really think it affects anything. Maybe it was just weird that we ran up against uh, an offense like Tampa Bay that is performing like it is. And maybe if you go through that, that small sample size, it's another thing Schwartz said. He goes overall when you look at it. You know, it's kind of a small sample size to extract some conclusions from. So maybe we'll see it m- maybe regress to the mean. As we continue through the season, I mean, I hope it does for for the uh, away defense because it's mm-hmm. been, you know, pretty uh pretty scatter shot. So that'll yeah. be something to track still. And if it continues to happen, then you know we'll definitely have more questions for uh for Mister Schwartzy.
1: Well, we're still waiting for this Eagles team to play a really clean, even game here. So far, three pretty ugly games, uh, uneven games, but a two one record is is what you want. But uh, let, let just real quick, let's talk about the penalties because another ten penalties called against the Eagles for one hundred ten yards. They now have twenty seven penalties called for two sixty six after three games, and this is a team that is usually pretty disciplined. I mean, this is not this is not a team that I, I don't think last year was. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I don't I don't remember this team being heavily penalized last year but and I know the league is calling a few more things now than they were last year but can you put your finger on on the penalties is is this just kind of a because the eagles are lacking some some stability at some important positions like running back wide receiver and it's maybe fouling timing up on the lines or is it just a lack of attention to detail what's what's going on here?
0: Yeah I mean you could you could put some of it on some guys playing in positions that they normally wouldn't and in some situations that they normally wouldn't also remember you know they've, they've been in two really close games and another game where they were trying to catch up so some guys are trying to make plays and yeah. you know doing some things that they normally wouldn't do that's outside of the discipline that they've been they've been coached I'm sure it's going to be a focus for Doug Peter. And moving forward uh, at the end of the day, you know, you win an ugly game like that and you can kind of let it slide because the result is there, but you can't just keep playing Russian roulette like that. Uh, we mm-hmm. got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot because it's it's just not sustainable. So yeah, I mean, you need some luck, uh, but don't don't put yourself in a situation <laughs> where you continually kill yourself on those drives. Because, like I said, against the Colts, the drives needed to be long. They needed to execute on every play to continue to move the ball. And some of them were just killed by uh, by lack of discipline.
1: One of the great things about Carson Wentz though, and his ability to convert third and longs, is that he makes up for some of those yeah. offensive uh, penalties. You know, you know, when 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 the offensive line is called for a holding, or there's an illegal hands to the face, or something like that, a lot of times Carson himself can make that up and it's it, that's that's really where a lot of his value comes is he covers up for so many mistakes, and a lot of those are are, are penalties that are called on his offensive teammates. So, um, one last thing before we before we finish up here, Michael. Looking around the NFC, it was kind of a rough day for a bunch of teams. Uh, we saw the Saints beat the Falcons 43-37 but I don't know if you saw the end of that game. Uh, the Falcons had a touchdown lead over the Saints, mm-hmm. and Drew Brees was was running. Uh, he was trying to buy time, running to the outside, and as he's running toward the left uh, toward the far sideline, uh, he was met by by two. Fal- Falcons <laughs> players and somehow yeah. pulled off a spin move out of his rear end. I don't know how he did it, diving into the end zone. The Saints went on to, to win the game. Ryan and Breeze uh, combined for 10 touchdowns in that game, for crying out loud. But the Saints moved to 2-1, and one, Falcons 1-2. One and two. Uh, The Panthers beat the Bengals in a real good matchup by 10. The Giants beat the Texans 27-20-2 yeah. down in Houston. Texans were my pick to win the AFC South. They're 0-3 now, Giants <laughs> at 1-2. and two. Uh, we saw the Niners uh, dealt a tough blow here on Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo, not only did they lose to the Chiefs, but Garoppolo carted off, uh, has an ACL tear. Looks like he's going to be out for the season. And then a game I had to watch a lot of here living in Northern Virginia was Washington actually spanking Green Bay. It was not even close. Washington dominated the Green Bay Packers at, at, in a rainy field at, at FedEx. So you got the Vikings, get, and the Vikings got hammered by the Bills. Cut. The Bills. So all of these teams in the NFC, I know we came into the season thinking, man, there's a lot of juggernauts here, but I'm not, I'm not so sure that some of these teams aren't coming back to the pack a little bit. Certainly here early, some of the results are mixed.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep all these games in my head as I run down this list. But number one, <laughs>
1: um,
0: Derek Barnett could use some use, use use some tips from Drew Brees on the spin move. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Number number two, oh, and they and they and the Saints' defense is terrible. Uh has been uh, really oh, wow. all year, and it's very surprising, but not really surprising if you look at the quarterbacks they played during their hot stretch from I believe week three to week ten. Last year, and then they went back to a little bit of their struggling ways and started to get leaky again. But if you saw the the, the list of quarterbacks that they played, it wasn't good. So maybe they're a bit of a paper tiger. That's something to to watch. Uh, mm. Number two, terrible for Jimmy G. That's awful. Oh yeah, you never want to see that. You and, and in a league that needs quarterbacks and quality quarterbacks and guys like Patrick Mahomes who who just set a uh, NFL record for throwing 13 touchdowns in, in you know his first three games. Uh, you need guys like that in the NFL to to make an exciting product. I, I don't care if they're you know an opposing NFC team or not. That's absolutely awful. And you know you get another wasted year where Kyle Shanahan is unable to make a difference in the NFL most likely because that's fun. If you start to get him in the mix, that's just good football. So awful to see. You hate to see it. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings had one less yard than the Buffalo Bills had points by the half. Uh, it was 27 and nothing. They had 26 yards of offense. They didn't get to the red zone, I believe, until the fourth quarter. Uh, the Vikings wow. did. So, you know, their offensive line is not good. Not not many people were talking about it. Me and Ben kind of talked about it in the offseason. Like, they're, they're starting to lose some guys. They're starting to have to trade for guys like Brett Jones, who's was a backup center for the Giants. And uh, it might not be so good for them. And and that defense just got torched by Josh Allen. Nobody saw that coming whatsoever. I'm not even a big Josh Allen fan, but kudos to him. Yeah, His hurdle was awesome. And thank you,
1: Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for the help. Uh, But yeah, and then you look around to the Washington Redskins, I believe week one, they were competent against the Arizona Cardinals and took care of business. Good for them. Week two, they were an absolute no-show, like we talked about. They had the wrong game plan against the Colts, and it stifled their offense, and they weren't able to do anything. Just a, a complete no-show. And then week three, they come out and lay the wood to the Green Bay Packers and uh, and, and beat up uh, on them a little bit. So if I'm looking at a contender, then it's probably them. I don't care about the Giants beating the Texans. The Texans just don't look like a good football team overall. Right now, Watson's still working them back, you know, work himself back from from that injury. He'll be fine down the road, same, same as Carson Wentz. But, yeah, I mean – you know, Watson doesn't have the defense that we have here in Philly, especially at home. So they're going to struggle right. a little bit. And then um, I did see right before we started uh, recording that the uh, the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Seattle Seahawks. It was 0-0 and Earl Thomas recovered a fumble that was actually an interception. Um, so they are definitely salty about that in Dallas, a guy that they obviously wanted to trade for. and Earl Thomas makes a big play on him. <laughs> so we'll continue yeah. to watch those games. We're kind of recording in the middle of the four o'clock games, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it tomorrow. But, yeah fun stuff around the NFC. Maybe it's not the uh, the bloodbath that uh, everybody anticipated.
1: Well, it's the same way. And I say this every time the Eagles schedule comes out and teams start looking ahead at the schedule for that year and, and people start getting worried about individual teams. I, I think when you're looking at a schedule, you look at, okay, how when how many short weeks does the team have? How many cross-country flights do they have? Mm. Those are things, are things that you can look at. But yeah. if you're looking at the individual teams, that I mean, when, when you looked at the schedule at the start of last year, You saw that Denver game at home, and you thought that's going to be a tough game. Didn't Mm. turn out to be the case. I mean, there's lots of games. You saw the Rams game on your schedule in L.A. think, ah, that's easy. Didn't turn out to be the case. Always happens in the NFL. Teams that you think aren't going to be good at the start of the season, some of them turn out to be excellent, and some teams you think are going to be really good turn out not to be. Just kind of have to let the schedule play out the way it's going to play out.
0: Oh, speaking of which, uh, before we go, the team we play next, the Tennessee Titans, played played with and without, I believe, Marcus Mariota. I wouldn't even really— paying attention but they beat the uh they beat the jaguars and the jaguars were a darling for a lot of people after they beat the patriots last week so the nfl is a. Uh uh, Helter skelter business and uh, consistency ultimately wins the day. That's why the Eagles got to clean up some of these uh, sloppy issues that they have.
1: You are right. The Titans did beat the Jaguars, but I'm not. I don't know how impressive I'd call it. Nine to six <laughs> yeah. in that particular game. And yes, uh, Mariota twelve of eighteen for a hundred yards, and uh, Blaine Gabbert had three pass attempts for reasons passing understanding yeah. uh, for eight yards. I don't know if maybe Mariota went out for a little bit in that game, but I think uh,
0: uh, Gabbert got hurt and then Mariota came in and then they just went like real run heavy because the the issue was that Mariota. They were waiting for him to get feeling back in his hand, which is never. Oh, good. gee whiz. Yeah. Well, yeah. so bad, bad news there.
1: Plays so into maybe some of the low score there. <laughs> yeah. Gee <laughs> whiz. Well, listen, uh, Eagles win this one, 20 to sixteen move to two and one on the season. Michael, any final thoughts before we wrap up the recap edition of BGN Radio?
0: Uh yeah, man, just happy to be two and one right now with with everything going on with this team. You know, the the potential Super Bowl hangover that they could have uh, gone through They've had two really, really close wins, and then a, a close win or a close loss that they clawed themselves back into after going down early. This team is mentally tough, and they're built to win these types of games. They've been there, done that, which is good. A lot of teams run the NFL. That have that losing culture don't quite know how to win these close games would have dropped both of those games. So as many concerns as we have about the Eagles, as many injury issues that we're dealing with right now, you know, we're we're gonna get over those things. We're gonna get better. Carson Wentz is gonna get better as the season goes along. And and right now, you know, we've got a winning winning percentage. So you know, you can't really yeah. uh, you can't really fault too much there.
1: And I am happy that we're we're getting teams like the Colts and the Titans here during this stretch. When <laughs> For sure. We're, we're missing Alshon Jeffrey and Jay Ajayi, and I know everybody's hoping uh, that at least uh, one, if not both of those guys, is ready to go in Week 4 against the Titans. That will do it for this edition of BGN Radio. Uh, my thanks to uh, to Michael Kist. Again, follow Michael on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense.